This episode is brought to you in part by Our Daily Bread Ministries. Experience the joy and freedom that comes from a faith that perseveres. Check out Unshakable Moxie, growing a resilient faith at unshakablemoxie.com from Our Daily Bread Ministries. Visit unshakablemoxie.com. Heather Thompson Day, welcome to Viral Jesus. I don't have the luxury anymore of not believing that we can change people's world. Does that make sense? Because I've seen it. I have had countless at this point messages or letters from people who said, literally, I was done with church until I came across your Twitter. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. This week, I'm your host, Kara Bettis. I'm an associate editor at Christianity Today, and I'm honored to put Heather on the hot seat to talk about her new book and lessons she's learned through the community she's built on social media. It's no secret that social media causes feelings of jealousy, inadequacy, or fear of missing out among its consumers. Studies have shown links between social media use and increased anxiety, depression, negative body image, sleep problems, and even cyberbullying. But increased social comparison is one of the most common causes. Heather Thompson Day recently released her latest book called It's Not Your Turn, What to Do While You're Waiting for Your Breakthrough. While celebrating the usefulness and beauty of social connection, she gets to the root of some of the problems that stem from our social media consumption habits. What happens when others succeed or appear to have it all, but it's not our turn to shine. She tackles both the dilemma of waiting your turn and trusting in Christ, while also suggesting practical ways to move forward toward your goals. If you haven't learned enough from Heather from this season, definitely go out and check out her book. Heather, I'm so excited to join you today. I'm super honored to be flipping the script and swapping seats and putting you in the hot seat today. Um, one of the things I love about following you is your love for social media, for its community building power. Um, we actually met, um, well, initially a few months ago when I was working on a story about um, Twitter matchmaking. So I don't, I mean, you're not doing that anymore, but that was something that I thought was really fun. And you obviously really care about your followers and your community. You're just building a community. You're very warm and friendly online. And, you know, any listeners who are listening to this podcast obviously know that that's how you are um, with anybody you talk to. And it doesn't, you know, it makes that transition very smooth, even online, which I feel like is very unusual. It doesn't feel like you're a brand necessarily. Um, But I'd love to hear just kind of from the viral Jesus perspective, I'd love to hear a little bit about your social media journey. How did you um, start um, on social media? And then how did you kind of become, you know, build the community that you have been building over the past few years. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think I started in the way that everybody starts, right? Like just trying to figure this thing out. I got on Twitter and I really didn't understand it at first and was putting things out there. I think I had like a hundred followers for the first couple of years that I was putting out tweets. And then a couple, I think it was, I think it's two years ago now. I had probably almost a thousand followers and I put out a tweet. It's actually my pinned tweet. I think that was my first viral tweet about my student who 
I just remembered that conversation and it was just another one of the moments in my life as a teacher, an educator, where I just realized, wow, people can show up in the same classroom at the same time at the same school, but we're all coming from very different places. And let me always remember that as I teach a lecture, because the student told me that she had entered um, the the college with a 1.2 or something GPA. And that as mm. she was graduating that semester, she had a scholarship to go to a, a bigger university. And she said, the only thing that changed, I think, for me is having a bed. Mm. And that was just this really powerful moment for me as an educator and also just as a human being. Um, and so mm. I tweeted that. And that was, I think, my first viral tweet. So I'd have to check the date on it. And I think from that one, I went from like almost 1,000 followers to 5,000 followers in wow. maybe 48 hours. But from there, I don't even know how many viral tweets I've had now. From there, it just every month for a year or so, I just have would have another viral tweet, have another viral tweet. And now we're at over 50,000 people in about two years, which is still very fascinating for me because I never, I honestly never saw it coming. And it's changed my life. And so I, I love teaching social media. And I like viral Jesus because I just think people always say this thing like, oh, it's social media is stupid or it doesn't matter. H have a real life. And I'm like, huh? Because this has actually totally changed my real life. I was, if for me as a content creator, and this is why I want to do viral Jesus, for me as a content creator, I could not get anybody to read my proposal for my book. I could not. And in the last three months, I've had three of the major Christian publishing houses ask me if they can work with me. That is that is absolutely because of my social media. Nothing's changed about my writing. I'm writing the same content I was writing five years ago or three years ago when nobody cared. The only thing that mm -hmm. changed is that now I have this community. And so I just want to encourage every person who feels called to create content to do it. And I want to share with them the tips that I've learned. And a big thing, Kara, which is what you just talked about, is community. You have yeah. to build not followers, but community. And for me, I believe that's made all the difference. And I just also think respect your people and they'll respect you. Well, kind of on along those lines, I love that. Um, I wanted to, like you do for all of your guests, typically, um, you read one of their tweets. And so you just tweeted um, about a week ago, um, this tweet, and I'll read it because it's kind of tying into what we're talking about. You say, my students would say, but why can't we change the system? And when I gave them the list of reasons, they'd say, I'm not accepting that. So now I believe we can change the world because I spend most of my days with people who believe that we can, and it makes all the difference. And so that really struck me. I mean, that one, you know, um, also had like a lot of likes and retweets, but I think what I thought was interesting was just talking about believing that we can change the world. And so I think there's a lot of, you know, when you talk about in your book, there's a lot of cynicism and sometimes rightfully towards social media. Um, but it seems like you really do believe that this can change the world in some ways, you know, if we um, utilize it properly. Is that true? I don't have the luxury anymore of not believing that we can change people's world. Does that make sense? Because I've seen mm -hmm. it. I have mm -hmm. had countless at this point messages or letters from people who said, literally, literally, I've gotten messages and letters from people who say, 
I was done with church until I came across your Twitter. And now I'm attending a church and I've been going for the last couple of months. Thank you so much for helping me see God in a different way. I don't have the luxury anymore of saying, oh, it doesn't matter. And I think that's the two-edged sword, right? Like I don't have the luxury of tweeting and not being incredibly intentional about what I say. There are so many things I would like to say when I get upset. There are so many like, I'm like, oh, this would be so funny. Like there are so many things I would love to send. And I just don't have the luxury of doing that anymore. I try to be really wise because I, for me in particular, I, I do feel like this is something that God has helped create for me. And so I'm not stepping into those spaces as Heather anymore. I do feel like I'm a servant of God. And I, I kind of approach most of my life that way anyway, but as especially online, I'm not, I don't get to, I just don't get to just be Heather. I think I am always on assignment. Mm. And that's how I teach. That's how I live. That's such a good way to approach, I mean, everything in life, but especially social media, because I think we often, obviously, even from a secular or Christian perspective, it's about platforming yourself. So I love the idea of actually thinking about how we can serve other people through, uh, you know, our social media presence, whatever that is. So one of the things that I was really excited to talk to you about and ask you about, um, I assume most people listening are engaged at least somewhat in some way on social media. Um, and so I'm interested, um, you know, you've been interviewing over this season, a lot of different people who do have a platform, but as people who are listening who may or may not be building their platform, you know, how can we contribute meaningfully? Like, how can we, I think you've talked about in, in some of the past episodes, just how when we give to others and create something that is valuable to our um, listeners, you know, followers, whatever, um, that's actually a way of serving the people around us. And actually, that's how you're actually can build a brand in a meaningful way. So, you know, how can, how would you recommend for people who may or may not just like, you know, the everyday, you know, listeners who, you know, have, we have a couple hundred um, or a couple dozen followers on social media, how can we use everything in a way that is um, honoring God and also serving um, those around us? You know, and I think I learned this one from Justin Koo, who we had on this season, and he's a very successful YouTuber. And I had a convert, he's a personal friend of mine. And I had a conversation with him probably three years ago where he just said, stop thinking about numbers because it's not, it's not numbers, it's people. And that really made so much sense to me. He said, if, if you post a little devotional thought, Heather, and 15 people watch the, the thought, that is 15 people. And if you were to have a Bible study at your house and 15 people showed up, you would say, wow, God, thank you so much. So how do we stop? I think the best way to make meaning and create meaning for yourself is to stop thinking about the numbers and start thinking, God, how do I reach people with whatever it is you've given me? And that process, I'm telling you, takes time. For Scarlett is my my best friend, and we do a blog together called I'm That Wife. It is not a Christian blog, but I remain a Christian in everything I do. Um, we were blogging for about three years. And I think at the end of three years, we had 9,000 followers on that blog, which I know for some people that that is... we. I didn't feel like that was successful because I was watching all these other mom blogs with hundreds of thousands of followers or somebody posts a bikini picture on Instagram and she's getting 15,000 likes. And here I <laughs> yeah. am with my think piece, right? Like, yeah. oh, this, this is so meaningful and nobody cares, right? So for three years, we were blogging together about twice a week. And I, I just felt like I don't want to do this anymore because I kept looking at the numbers. 
And she said, and this is why I really believe in partnership. If you can find a team, you have to build a team. I, I have a team that works with me to this day. Annie F. Downs, literally, I was texting her all day yesterday as I was fasting and praying over something. And first thing this morning, she's like, here's what God said to me this morning. Like, you cannot go through any type of creative process if you don't have people who are in community with you, who understand what you're going through and are just going to be prayer warriors with you and then be that for other people. You have to have a team. And so I'm so grateful when we did I'm That Wife that I did it with my best friend, Scarlett, who's Jewish, by the way, background. And we... at after I wanted to quit. And she said to me, Heather, we're not going to quit. I, I just want to give this some more time because I believe in this. And I am so grateful to her to this day because that same, I, I think she had gave us a deadline of like two more months before we'd quit. And we had our first viral piece. And then we went from 9,000 to 20,000 people literally overnight. And then today we're at like over 200,000 women that we get to impact by hitting publish. And for me as a, as a writer, I never get over that. So I want everybody to, like, if you are a content creator, just never stop being in awe of the fact that we live in a world that you get to create something and immediately a hundred people may see it. Even if you don't have a massive platform, if you have, you get to create something and five people will immediately see it. To me, that is such a crazy time that we get to live in. I would have killed to have that opportunity, honestly, when I was in college and nobody was reading my proposals for books. There, we didn't have this. And so I'm still in awe that I get to put together some words that mean something to me and I believe is what God has gifted me with, right? And immediately people see it. Right. The opportunities are endless there to create yeah. and have that audience and also the responsibility. You know, if you choose to engage on social media, you know, there is a little bit of responsibility here to produce something that's, you know, meaningful or, you know, able to connect with your friends, your community, your followers, your, um, you know, that community that you've created. But I kind of want to switch a little bit over because in your book, you talk, um, you know, the title even hints at it. It's not your turn or it's not your turn. And talking about comparison and kind of getting to some of the darker sides of social media in some ways, um, in the sense of, you know, there are a lot of good opportunities there. And I think, what I love about you and your book is, you know, talking, it's not just about social media, obviously, but it kind of gets to some of the root, um, you know, difficulties that we might have living in an age of constant connection in every area of life and just being so connected with everyone. Um, and so I love that it kind of hits straight to the core of that. Um, and so it talks a lot about uh, comparison. And there was a study earlier this year, I remember that really struck me when I was um, you know, reading the news earlier uh, this year that discovered like a higher suicide rate among teen girls who were, um, and they found like a correlation between high social media use. Um, and they, you know, suggested that possibly social comparison was one of the reasons that led to a higher suicide risk, which is kind of, you know, obviously extremely tragic. Um, but a lot of, you know, the premise of your book was not waiting our turn and, you know, not comparing when we see others' success um, I'm curious if there's, you know, you know, a story from the book or from your own life where you've, um, you know, kind of overcome that comparison with other people <laughs> and success. Kara. But I know you have a lot of stories, but I have a lot of stories. I can relate to that. But um, Kara, here's the thing. I've not overcome it. Hmm. I and and this is I I'm actually grateful to God for this lesson that you don't graduate from being a human being. You, you are always going to 
Because all that happens, even I would say right now I am living what I would have perceived five years ago to be the pinnacle of anything I could have dreamed for myself. I'm living that right now. And guess what? Do I still feel like it's not my turn? Absolutely. Do I still compare myself to people who have way more than I could even dream right now to have? Absolutely. All that happens when you get to where you're going is the goalposts move. Mm -hmm. And you're surrounded by other people to compare yourself to. Right. And mm-hmm. so, I, and I had this moment, I felt really bad about it one day because um, somebody that I love did so, their book was doing so well. And I was just like, man, God, like, it, when is it ever going to be my turn? And my book has done well. Right. But it's not on the New York Times best because that's what happens as we move the goalposts. And I felt like, okay, God, like, I thought you called me to this. And I just felt like, and then I felt so much shame for doing it again right? For not just being grateful and having this moment where I compared myself to somebody. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, Heather, I'm not asking you to stop being a human. I'm just asking you to be in a relationship with me. And so I want to alleviate any guilt or shame that other people have for, oh man, I failed. I did, I did it again. Well, guess what? A righteous man falls down seven times, but gets up eight. You're going to mm-hmm. keep falling down, period. You're a human being. And all, First John 5, 19, and all the world operates under the sway of the evil one. What, do you, what did you think you were walking into? Did you think this is going to be easy? It's not going to be easy, right? A righteous man falls down seven times, but gets up eight, but the wicked fall once and stay in calamity. The difference between the righteous and the wicked is that the righteous keeps getting back up. And so when you find yourself in deep jealousy, confess it. This is what I, I have better coping strategies now. I have not graduated from jealousy and I probably never will. But I am much faster now to go on a prayer walk and say, God, I, I don't want to feel that way. And help me to, when I pray for somebody else's success, because obviously, and especially in my world, this is, <laughs> it's somebody else sharing the gospel. Why would I not want them on the New York Times bestsellers list? Are you kidding me? I don't deserve mm-hmm. to have anything if I don't want that for my fellow brother or sister in Christ who is also trying to advance the gospel, right? This is about the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so God, t- I don't want to feel that way. And so please help me and forgive me of my sin and help me to mean it when I say, I am so happy for you. And that's all I can do. And I have found that God meets me in that. And that's what I would encourage somebody else to do. When you feel it, say, okay, this is normal. I'm a human being. Confess it and ask God to give you the grace to get back up. And let's stay on the journey. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow. We believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org.
That's so good. Well, I want to kind of kind of similar to that. I want to ask you because um, in your book, I think you talk about being Enneagram three. Is that yeah. right? <laughs> I'm also an Enneagram three. So in some ways I was reading your book and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can relate to like being image conscious and, you know, um, wanting to have the perfect brand and comparison and success. But what I really appreciated is that you got into um, some of the specific practical ways that we can, while we're kind of avoiding jealousy and comparison, we can actually move forward to it being our turn. So you talk about networking and you talk about connection, which is super important to me. My friends joke, they're like, you can network at a funeral, which is probably not a compliment, <laughs> but, um, you know, constantly Part of like the threeness <laughs> in you though. Threes love networking. Right. And constantly, but the benefit to other people is it's, you know, it's fun to be able to connect. Like, how can I help you get a job? You're looking for a job. I'd love yes. to connect you to this person who's looking to hire someone or, you know, you're looking for career advice. I would love to connect you. And you do that a lot, you know, from what I've seen on, yes. on Twitter and constantly connecting people um, online. So I'm curious, like, as we wait for our turn, how are some ways that we can serve other people by connecting them or that you found um, kind of some practical ways there um, to serve other people in that way? You know, the best thing that I've started doing, and I, I'm probably three or four years into this, is again, people, 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 treating every single person as if it's the most important thing I'm ever going to do. And I, there are days if I have some days right now, I'm having three podcast interviews in a day, right? And I'm teaching a class and I'm meeting with students. I don't have energy for all that. And I will have to say, God, give me the energy to meet with this person or to do this podcast interview as if it's the most important thing I'm ever going to do, even if I know that they only have a hundred downloads. Because this matters for this person. And I pr- and to me, these are prayers God will... O- God, help me to respect the image of God in another person. He will always give you grace for that. I've experienced it. And so what I would say, I would say where my life started to change, and I do think opportunities opened even somewhat unintentionally by me, was when I started treating every single person as if it was the, the most important person I'd meet with. It, it, I don't know what happens, but I think it just started to, to open doors because people remember that. People remember people who showed them respect and, and were there for them. And, they, and you don't know where that person is going when they leave you. They might be on a bad day when they're sitting in my office. That How do I? I have a student that now works for Warner Brothers, right? I, I have no idea how my relationship with that student could come back to me in a couple of years. And actually, I end in the last chapter of my book. I talk about, I have this obsession with Oprah Winfrey. I've had an obsession with Oprah Winfrey since I was a child. And in high school, people used to call me Oprah, but it was not a compliment. They were making fun of me. But I love, I love Oprah Winfrey. I tell the story in the book of when I went to go see Wentley Phipps. I was actually speaking at a conference in Chicago and he was the main speaker. I was just doing a breakout. And I had just been feeling like it wasn't my turn on some stuff. I had some health challenges in my family. I'm like crying in the back row thinking, I don't know how I'm going to go do this breakout session. And Willie Phipps gets on the stage and he shares this testimony about just his life and his work. And he has sang at inaugurations and worked with Obama. And then he tells the story about in the beginning of his career at a concert afterwards, a woman stayed back afterwards and said, can you pray with me? And as he was praying with her, he said, you know what? I just feel like God is telling me to tell you that one day you are going to reach millions of people. And the woman had just lost her job. And she just said, 
me? And he said, I, I believe that that's what God is saying. A couple years later, Wintley is doing a concert and he's trying to raise money for an inner city outreach program that he does. And he finds out that there's an anonymous donor that says, however much money you earn at this um, conference, at this fundraiser, I'll match. And he's like, fantastic. And I think they had earned like $2 million or something. And so his private donor matched it. And when he found out who the private donor was, it was Oprah Winfrey. And she said, I was the woman that after that had lost my job. She was, she was a journalist, I think in Chicago. And she went to his concert looking for some hope, looking for some faith. And Whitley Phipps prayed with her as if it was the most important thing he would ever do in his entire life. And he looked at her and he felt the Holy Spirit say, I think one day you're going to reach millions of people. And he said it. And then now she's, and she works with him to this day. They do fundraisers together to this day. What I'm saying is treat every single person as if they are a really important person because A, they may be, B, they are to God, period. So Mm -hmm. if nothing changes and they don't become Oprah Winfrey, to God, what you've done matters. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's like the best networking advice I could give somebody is just be, be faithful to what God puts in your hand right now. Don't Mm -hmm. look past your own hand. Say, what, God, where are the places that you have given me access and ability right here? And how do I serve these as if I'm never going to do anything more important than this? One of the things kind of along those lines that I've had to learn over recent years is also what can you, I think when I was a college student, I was you know constantly networking, constantly like, who can I connect? What can people do for me? And when you're a college student, there's honestly like not much you can do for people. You know, it's really a lot of like grace on um, the parts of the people that you're reaching out to um, until maybe in the future, of course. But, you know, as an adult in your career, um, looking at how can I serve people regardless of whether that's going to come back to serve me. Um, and it might, you know, for me it has, um, but, you know, being willing to also like, what can I give this person, even if I want yes. something from them, you know, what can I also offer them out of, you know, what I have and the resources that I have. Um, I'm curious kind of also along the lines of um, in your book, you talk about seeing kind of paying attention, not only to the people around you, but also to seeing God in the little things like you're like you're uh you were observing earlier and even just either recording that um on the platform or even just like privately noticing and remembering those things kind of like an Ebenezer stone in a sense of how can we remember God's faithfulness in the little things um but are there other ways that you've um I'm wondering if you could share a story or a time that you saw God's faithfulness in just small daily moments um, you share quite a few examples in the in your book, but is there anything that you thought think is especially relevant to this conversation? Um, and just yeah. noticing God's faithfulness. I'm always in in awe of social media. I'm also always in deep awe and wonder at God. And I, I have an example just from this week. My husband was buying a jacket for his mom for her birthday. And he showed me the jacket and he said, Oh, oh, do you like this? And it was like $160 name brand fleece. And it was so beautiful. And I said, oh my goodness, like I would love to receive a jacket like this. Seth, I love that. Get that from your mom. She's going to absolutely adore it. And I literally said to him, I would love if somebody would send a jacket like this to me. It is just so beautiful. And so he sent the jacket and my mother-in-law texted me two days ago and I had been having a bad day and I was praying about some stuff that wasn't happening. And she texted me and she said, hey, did you mean to send me two jackets? And I said, no. I I checked the Amazon order. I said, no, we only sent one. She said, Heather, it's so beautiful. They sent me two. She said, do you want me to send you the other one? 
I had just said to my husband as we ordered it, I would love if somebody would. And I felt like God did send me mm. the jacket. Mm-hmm. And it's a small thing, but it's an, I'm going to hold on to that. And it's just a yeah. reminder to me that God will provide for you. And a reminder to me, because I'm in a dark season right now, and yet He's with me, even if I don't see it. I want to ask you one more question, just in terms of application of communication and social media. You know, there's this quote that I, um, that's very controversial in some circles, that's misattributed to Francis of Assisi. It's like, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Um, A lot of people, you know, really live their life by that. And I think there is some truth in terms of, um, you know, actions and scripture talks about knowing Christians by their fruit and seeing what kind of witness the church has been to the world. You can say one thing, but if you're acting another way, um, you know, then obviously it seems hypocritical and people can see right through, through that. So I'm curious just from either just from a communication and social media perspective, but, you know, as the church, how do we faithfully bear witness and communicate truth and love, especially in this day and age where our witness is, you know, very public um, as Christians, you know, and I, I'm an extrovert. I use a lot of words. <laughs> so, right. And I think you do too. So what are some ways do you think, you know, that balance of, you know, acting in love, but also um, speaking and bearing witness to what we believe in the world? How do you see that role um, in our public witness? Yeah. I just was with a student the other day who was going through some stuff and wanted to come seek some counsel. And I said, come on, we're going to go walk. And we went and were walking around the campus and I asked if I could pray. They said, yes. And I prayed. And then afterwards they said to me, you know, I really struggle just because of the way religion has been used in my life. I really struggle with people talking about religion to me or talking about God to me. I'm just not, they said, it actually feels like there's a rock in my shoe that I'm trying to walk on when I hear people talk about God because of the way God has been abused over my life. And I said, then we won't talk about that anymore. And that student still comes and sits in my office and we talk about other things, right? Like my, my respect of the image of God in that person doesn't only begin when they say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. It, it, it's just because of who they, because they are a human being. And so I absolutely believe in that, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. I, I believe that there are times when your words must be few and you meet somebody where they're at and you walk the journey with them, and you pray for them, period, right? And then I also think that there's times, and this is why I think it's very important that each of us, first thing every single day, ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And to me, that's a daily process. I will not step foot in my classroom, period, if I haven't had worship. No way. I don't ever want to go in my own strength into anything because like I said, I've seen so much the fruit of what happens when we live a a life surrendered to the will of God that I can't, I don't have the luxury of going back because I never know who in that room was praying for, to meet God or feel God. And if I, and if I say the wrong thing, maybe I'm going to, so I just, I always want to ask God to fill me. I want to spend time with him and be intentional about our relationship every single day. And so sometimes that is the Holy Spirit saying to me, I want you to say this, right? And then I'm going to say it. And then other times I have actually felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to be quiet. I want you to shut your mouth, right? But I want to say this too. We know that God created the world with the sheer power in his molecular, of, the, it, of his vocal cords, literally created the world. And we are made in the image of that God. And so I do believe that we create worlds with our words. 
And I do believe that there's a responsibility with the words that we use. And that's why I've spent the last 12 or so years of my life studying communication. That's so good. Yes, there is a time to speak and a time to be silent. Yes. <laughs> but thank you so much, Heather, for, um, you know, I'm so honored to talk with you on your own show. <laughs> and <laughs> you, um, I hope everyone can get a copy of your book. It's not your turn. I have it here. I read it. It's very good. Um, and everyone can get that on Amazon and through uh, Ivy Press, right? And, yes, absolutely. Uh, local bookstores. So yeah, please, I hope everyone is able to get a chance to read that. And yeah, I really appreciate you um, discussing some of this about your, um, you know, social media and communication, especially in a Christ-like way. I appreciate that. Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and rate us on your preferred platform. Thank you so much for joining us for season one of Viral Jesus. This episode was so much fun getting to flip the tables and just let you guys get to know a little bit about me and my social media journey. Don't forget to come back for season two. We are going to still be talking to the greatest Christian content creators that we can get access to right here on Viral Jesus. And I hope we learn so much more next season. I'll see you soon.